Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Fanatics after the summer. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm here with Matt in London. Hi, Matt. Hello. And I'm here with Ben in LA. Hi, Ben. Hello. So, after a fantastic football of a slightly hipster football summer, um, why don't we go with Matt first to give us your football moment or highlight of the summer? Um, so even this feels like a little while ago now, but I guess the, the Women's World Cup should probably get a mention um, because I think women's football is like, it, it's starting to trend from like hipster watch to more mainstream, um, I think, in England these days. Uh, and it was it was very well, it was entertaining, if a little frustrating for all the VAR penalty fiascos that went on throughout the tournament. Um, and I think my highlight of it going wrong was probably... Uh, because also because it sort of just fitted the country's uh, way of playing football so well, was uh, Scotland some, somehow managing to fail to escape from the group stage, despite being 3-0 up with 20 minutes left. Um, they managed to draw 3 all uh, because a penalty which they initially saved, they had to retake because the goalkeeper was like half a step off the line just before the penalty was taken. So a very cool way to go. Um, but yeah, for all Scottish listeners, I guess the, the revenge on England was that England just kept missing penalties throughout the tournament and eventually that cost them too. Yeah, isn't it amazing how the uh, you would have thought that this is a completely different team with none of the same players, none of the same coaches, that sort of the, the things that have dogged the men's team throughout the years in men's World Cups wouldn't necessarily translate into the women's game. But it seems like maybe there's something to do with the coaching. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was remarkably similar trends of like, uh, yes, Scottish heroic failure. England look like they're quite good, but struggle to keep possession and then ultimately go out in the uh, the knockout rounds. Uh, somehow a penalty involved uh, along the way. <laughs> Phil Neville passing on his years of experience. Of course, yes. Phil Neville. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good highlight, and of course, a lot of um, a lot of politics involved as well with uh, with Megan Rapino and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, America won again, so that was sort of like the slightly boring bit of the World Cup. We, but it's it's now more more of a world game, women's soccer, um, and yet it's still the same team that wins the World Cup again. Yeah, that that was um, maybe a bit a bit less fun, wasn't it? Um. Okay, good good highlight, Matt. Ben, what's your football moment of the summer? Uh, so mine is also, I think, from a couple of weeks ago, um, watching a bit of Copa America um, was a pretty fun tournament. You had, I think, Brazil playing pretty well. Um, you, I don't know if you guys saw much of it, but Gabriel Jesus was really, really good in the whole tournament. Um, I think, like, the standout player. Um, so it'll be interesting in the upcoming season of Man City, try and use him more. Um, you had Roberto Firmino scoring one of his no-luck goals. And I think most entertaining of all was just kind of the predictable Argentina meltdown um, where before every tournament, they they pretend that they have it together and then they fully melt down, um, blaming the <laughs> referee, um, Messi post-game, um, interview saying like the whole thing is rigged for Brazil, um, so yeah, it was was pretty entertaining. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of VAR involved there as well, wasn't there in the uh, in the Copa America, if I'm right, unless I'm wrong. 
Yeah, there was there's VAR, but um, very inconsistently used <laughs> compared to. It felt like in the Women's World Cup they would use it for everything, and then in the Copa America, it felt like they didn't really use it that much at all. Even though when there's like blatant like uh, stamping on people and that kind of stuff, um, they they refuse to use it. So. Yeah, no, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Also, VAR in the Premier League. I don't know how they're going to use it. Are they going to use it all the time or or um, be inconsistent? I'm sure it'll be uh, a mess. <laughs> yeah, knowing, knowing the Premier League, it'll basically, I think, depend on sort of the whims of the referee, depending on who you've got, I think. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Still, yeah, so two two big tournaments over the over the summer. There was another big tournament, the African Cup of Nations, that I don't think any of us watched, so... That's not what my football highlight of the of the, of the summer was. Uh, Don't forget the Gold Cup too, and the Gold Cup, <laughs> of course. Yes, the Gold Cup. There's so so much hipster football. I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> my football highlight of the week is different in nature because it is of this week. Um, it is Sead Kalasnach, who uh, was. I don't know if you guys have seen the the video of what happened. It's 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 amazing. Um, heroic Sead Kalasnach fought off two knife-wielding assailants who were trying to rob him. And it looks like, I don't know, it's kind of a surprising vehicle for, for Mesa Ozil and Sarah Kalasnach to be driving. It looks like a sort of minibus, which is a bit strange. <laughs> but what kind of happens is that these two guys in mopeds sort of stop them and attack them with knives. Um, it's uh, Kalasnach Ozil and Ozil's wife. Ozil flees the scene as fast as he possibly can and is just gone. Meanwhile, Kalasnach like charges at these two guys and they're so scared of him that they just run away. <laughs> <laughs> back to their mopeds. And they all get back into the minivan and drive off to this Turkish restaurant. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, from the version I saw, there was like, yeah, there's a, two guys of knives either side of Kalasnach um, and, and their, the vehicle. And you think, oh God, he's in trouble here. But they look far more scared of his, his fists than they did he did of their their knife and yeah, <laughs> yeah incredible win and i love that. that that incident is so representative of those two players on the pitch <laughs> <It's> utterly brilliant <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's that that's my football highlight uh, i think uh the hero round of applause there for Sir Kalasnach. what a guy Yeah, and yeah, Ozil exactly. who ran away responsibility as soon as he possibly could, despite the fact that it was his wife in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just drifted out. To the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ready to sort of come back when the glory moment comes. <laughs> yeah, um, good. Well, thank you very much for the uh, the the summer review, guys. Um, but I think the point of this podcast really is to get into the the upcoming Premier League season because that's what our podcast is all about. So um, it's quite early in in the season, and we do have another um, preseason podcast coming up next week. So this week, what we're going to be focusing on is a sort of general trends of the Premier League next season and how that might. Um, inform our choices for the upcoming season. So the first thing we're going to do is who do we think is going to be top three in the league and who do we think is going to be bottom three in the league? Um, I'm going to call on Matt first to give us his opinions. Um, So I think the top two is going to be Liverpool and Man City again, um, slugging it out. Um, 
and I think they're head and shoulders still above everyone else. I can't see that changing next season. Um, so I mean, it, I think it could be really close between those teams again, between who who actually wins it. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe Liverpool will want it slightly more, uh, having just lost out last season. So maybe maybe they'll do um, do be, be the champions this time. And then third place is like an entirely other competition, um, and I reckon that. Uh, Spurs will win that title um, simply because Man United, Chelsea and uh, Arsenal don't seem to be getting drastically better. Uh, and Spurs obviously still like, feel like a big team at the, the Champions League final um, and, and that, that core player base that they have. Um, and then for, for relegation, um, I, always, I always, I've done these predictions um, in the past and they always seem to go horribly wrong. Like I, I end up picking a team that comes in the top half of the table in the end, but I don't think Newcastle are on on for a good season at the moment. Um, they've they've hired Steve Bruce, uh, who's already unpopular with the fans, even though they haven't played a game yet. Um, they have signed a player, but then that's simply to replace Rondon um, with an untried uh, big bloke up front. So that might not work out. Um, and then alongside them, um, I think. Brighton were lucky to stay up last season um, and so I think they could be in a bit of trouble. I'm not aware that they've signed too many amazing players just yet. Um, and then I'd say probably one of the uh, promoted clubs might might go down again. So uh, may, maybe uh, a Villa. I'll go for Villa because they seem to get all their squad on loan last season. And so I'm not quite sure who they've, they've actually got first-teamers at the moment. Um, they'll have to do quite a lot of business between now and the start of the season, I think. Okay. Wow. My... <laughs> You might as well skip me, Andy, because mine are exactly the same as Matt. <laughs> um, I, think, I think the only thing I, I would add to mine is um, I, I do like Spurs for third. I think, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Dombele. He's a, I think he's a really strong signing um, and will, will help their like, attacking players flourish more um, just by being very solid in central midfield. So, um, and a lot of that team has just played together. Um, of, like Matt said, got to the Champions League final. So um, I like Spurs for third, as well as Man City, Liverpool um, for for first and second. I do think Man City have, have strengthened more than Liverpool. I don't think Liverpool have signed anyone um, so far in this transfer window. So we'll, I, I guess we'll monitor how that goes. But it does seem like um, City, City has made some signings. And I think... Um, Phil Foden also looks like he, he may be more involved in the upcoming season. And then in my bottom three, yeah, it was the same. It was like Brighton, very lucky to escape last season, hasn't strengthened. Newcastle, I think we, everyone know. I think this season will show how good Rafa Benitez was in terms of um, just helping that team stay up and using what he could get um, and tactically being really good which Steve Bruce <laughs> is a no for. Um, so I, I think Newcastle will be trouble. I, I think Villa would be my pick of the, the promoted size to go down. Um, I think they're the ones who, who got through by the, the playoff system. Um, also, just adding a lot of players. Um, it, it may take a while to, to gel, and I think they, they could start pretty badly. Interesting. Um, 
it's it's funny that you guys got come up with exactly the same uh, same conclusions. Do you do you agree, Ben, that Man City or Liverpool? So Liverpool, uh, Matt said Liverpool. So do you think uh, Liverpool or Man City will will pick the title? Um, if I had to pick, I would pick City. Um, the the other reason is, assuming you have a full season of healthy Kevin De Bruyne as well this season, that could make a big difference. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, actually both teams. I feel like have a lot of he's like a new signing players in their side. For for City, you've got Jesus who massively underperformed last season. Foden who is coming through the youth system. You've got De Bruyne coming back from injury. And then on Liverpool's side, you've got, I'd expect Naby Keita to be more involved this season. Oxlade-Chamberlain was injured for most of last season. Um, so I feel like, and Joe Gomez was injured for the second half of last season as well. So there's a lot of, on both sides of like new signings. Yeah. Yeah, they're just really strong, aren't they? Um, do you have any contrarian views? Uh, I feel like this is like the theme that from last season where Ben and I had quite similar teams and thoughts. Yeah, and it's true. Um, but you, Andy, you, you often came in with the, the contrarian view. So are you going to predict that Man City or Liverpool will come outside the top three? <laughs> Definitely not, no. Uh, I think the top of the league, I, um, I, I think, is pretty obvious. Like, uh, you'd, be, you'd be mad to predict either anyone other than City or Liverpool to win the league, I think. Um, I, I imagine that there are some diehard Man U fans that might put Man U in third, but that, I think that's heart overhead. Um, I think Tottenham will be in a league of their own in third place. Um, I think below that, Chelsea and Arsenal just look like they've got worse since last season. Although Arsenal signing Pepe looks like a good signing, their defence is going to be tragic this season. Um, so Man U may up in may end up in a, a league of their own in fourth as well. Although it's pretty unpredictable, they could end up in a league of their own in seventh as well. Um, so I think the bottom of the league is the place where we might diverge a little bit because I think there's just a lot of like bump at the bottom of that league. I don't see much out of any of the promoted sides that gives me gives them much hope, but I also agree that, that Brighton look like they're in real trouble. Um I think for Newcastle, I agree they're gonna be much worse than they were without than like Benitez is a huge difference maker, but I think that they have more Premier League quality players in their side than some teams that I think are going to finish below them. I think they're better than all three of the promoted sides, and I think they're better than Brighton as well, which gives them enough, I think, to stay up. So I'm going to say, for my demoted sides, relegated sides, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to agree with you on Brighton, but I think probably because Villa have made those signings by the second half of the season, they're going to um, kind of start to gel and rescue themselves. So I'm going to say Norwich, Sheffield United, and um, Brighton to go down. Mm, nice. Yeah, Norwich I was another one I was thinking of. Um I just I mean I guess they did really well last season, so we'll see if they can uh continue to rack up the goals this season. Yeah, I don't really see it. Like I've, I've the, the goals especially like Timo Puki was so like important for them last season. And if you look at his goals, they just look like championship goals where he's playing in a side that's better than everybody else and so he scores lots of goals, to me anyway. I don't see that translating to like the backs against the wall, like playing against teams that are better than the new Premier League. So I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see much in, in Norwich that gives me hope for them other than obviously Rolando Aarons looks like a good player, but when your hope is your right back, I think you're probably in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, good. So I don't, I don't think there's a lot of massive disagreement there, just the order of the bottom three. So um, let's move on to our next uh, topic, which although I've sort of given a hint as to what I think are the promoted sides, Matt, do you have an idea of who the best of the promoted sides might be? Um, I mean, the best, I think, in uh, fantasy terms, is probably why I'm viewing this question, is I think Sheffield United slightly underpriced um, for a lot of their players um, because they will ultimately score. I mean, but they ultimately, they'll have uh, a lot of regulars who score goals. Uh, they play a slightly unusual system, which might catch some teams out with like some centre-backs that are allowed to like overlap and go forward. Um, and yeah, so I, I think Sheffield United are the ones that you sort of could be interesting to look at, even though they don't sound massively interesting as a club. Um, and I think some of the price of their players means that they could be the ones that we all talk about um, on a weekly basis as being like the good bargain. Um, but that is me not having watched them very much. So who knows? Maybe they'll be awful for all I know. Yeah, I think they'll take some tonkings, but when they're playing against the other promoted sides, you might see some goals from them. That, that's my yeah. my gut, so possibly. Um, what about you, Ben? Uh, best of the promoted sides? Um, so I also am um, a fan of Sheffield United. Um, if you actually look last... I mean, this is me just looking at stats, <laughs> not actually watching Sheffield United at all. If you look at last season, um, I think they were defensively the strongest team um, that that came out of the promoted teams. And um, I, if you guys remember, at the end of last season, I tweeted um, basically the best fantasy team in the championship, championship um, where someone calculated the points they would have scored. And basically, most of the back line in that uh, championship team of the season are from Sheffield United. Um, so defensively strong. So Stevens. Um, that he's the one who who scored the most points and um, I think is a goal threat. So that's why he's priced at 5.0. But as Matt said, like um, you may may see um, value in a lot of their defenders um, at 4.5 um, because I, I, I assume they're a pretty defensive team um, that will grind out wins maybe in the Premier League, similar to like a Burnley or like a Benitez Newcastle is kind of what I'm hoping. Um, and also, um, I haven't seen uh, Dean Henderson back yet, but he is kind of the Man United goalkeeper who um, is on loan at Sheffield United. I don't see his price yet, um, but he's definitely going back to Sheffield United. So I'm waiting for him to populate in the game. And I think he'll be one of my goalkeepers because um, I hear he's, he's really good. Um, and... Um, he signed a long-term contract with United. Um, so Manu, I think, believes in him. And um, also just in a, in a kind of defensive team that will probably concede a lot of shots, um, he might be a good pick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Sheffield United, despite never having watched him play. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I think um, Henderson's definitely a good shout. Um, although... Right now, Man U signing somebody up on a long-term contract along with Ashley Young and Chris Smalling. I'm not sure that's a massive stamp of approval. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think uh, he obviously is very highly rated by a lot of people. Um, and not you know, people who've, who've seen him play outside Man U seem to rate him as well. That's, I think, uh, more of a... Uh, the fact that the Sheffield United want him back on loan, for example, that's another good, um, good sign. 
I though think that maybe Aston Villa are the ones to look out for. Um, Jack Grealish had a fantastic season last season. That was kind of his breakout season for Villa. Um, we, I, I suspect that we might see him playing for a place in a like if Villa get relegated, especially playing for a place in a another side. Um, so he, I think he's going to play out of his skin this season. Um, they've bought a lot of players, and I think they'll start weekly, um, but they might. St- get stronger as they sort of learn to play together um so yeah my my shout for the the pick of the i think what is actually a pretty poor bunch of promoted sides this season is probably villa um based actually mostly based on the fact that it's not the same team that got promoted (laughs) 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 yeah i mean they they are the biggest club that's got promoted so they've you've always got that slight feeling that they might have yeah a strong home form because they've got a big big fan base behind them and yeah, yeah, they 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 belong in the Premiership, I think, by by club size. So maybe they'll stay. There. Yeah, that's my shout. I think they're the only ones I I really give a hope of of staying. Up. Obviously, I'll probably Sheffield United will finish tenth now, but we'll see. Um, okay, good. So any other sort of surprise package team um, or unexpectedly poor team, either or both of those that you think is going to happen this season? This is a an interesting point for us because uh, the. This is normally where you sort of see value in, in, in players. Last season, Wolves players gave everyone a lot of value because they overperformed against the expectations of the, the valuations they were given in the, in the game. So we're looking for a team here that either will do much better or much worse than their price would suggest in the game. So, Matt, do you see any, um, any over or under valuations? Um, so I've got two, but for exactly the same reason. So I reckon that, Burnley might do better than um, expected and priced and Wolves might do worse. And it's simply because of the, that Europa League spot that they found themselves in. Um, Burnley struggled so much of it last season because they had to play so many fixtures early on in the season. So many midweek games, which meant they couldn't do the training to prepare for the weekend game. Um, and they just seemed to have under, massively underperformed at the start of the season. They got, got themselves knocked out. Second half of the season, they came back. I mean, quite strongly, not not massively strongly, but quite strongly. So I think they'll um, they'll be the Burnley of old a bit more this season, uh, where they can fully focus on the Premier League and grind out results. And then conversely, I think Wolves um, like they've got a bit of a thin squad, and so they're just as susceptible to uh, to fall down a little bit uh, with so many games um, from what, from what they're used to. Um, and so I, I'm certainly a, a little bit wary of having their players in the early part of the season because I just want to see how they cope first um, with playing more games than their rivals. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my, my prediction there. OK, yep, solid reasoning behind both. Uh, ben, how about you? Um, I'm kind of interested in Lampard's Chelsea. Um, I, I agree they will probably not um, challenge... Um, for top three, but interested in a new style, maybe a little bit more tacking. And and just looking at some of the prices um, on FPL, um, I've heard Jorginho might be used not really as an anchor midfielder um, and play further up forward. So at 5.0, he, he seems like he could be interesting. Um, American boy wonder Pulisic, um, unclear how well he will do, but um, if he does do well, 7.5 is is a really good price. And then I'm actually interested in their forwards. So I assume, I assume I don't know if they're going to sign someone, but you basically have uh, Giroud, Bashwai, and Tammy Abraham at all 7.0. 
um, which is a really great price to get in at, I think, the Chelsea front line. We just got to figure out which one is going to start. Um, so I'm kind of interested in Chelsea being a little bit um, undervalued. And then um, not overvalued as a team, but maybe some of their players. Um, I really like Bournemouth, but it, lo- it looks like FPL has really jacked up the prices on their players. So um, if, if we remember last season, you had the amazing duo of Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser at like 6.5. Now they're just a lot more expensive. Ryan Fraser is 7.5 and Callum Wilson at 8.0, um, which is... You know, it just hurt. It just pains me because they were such great value last season, and now they're like barely priced. So, yeah, I think um, I do. I do still like Bournemouth. I just think um, their pricing is a little bit more fair this season. Any team? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Not you. So, it, Bournemouth got great opening fixtures, so I'm still tempted to buy some of those like. Uh, premiumly priced well no it's not premiumly priced but like but, very yeah. adequately priced like Bournemouth player like you really can't see a surprise but if they perform like they did last season then they'll they're sort of worth it in a sort of bit more like a Sigurdsson like last few seasons sort of way where it's sort of priced is exactly correct uh, that he's like quite expensive but not so expensive um, and will get at that number of points accordingly yeah, I think I agree with you there. They're definitely one of the interesting things about Bournemouth, which happened both last season and this season, is the fixture list has given them like runs of really good fixtures and then really bad fixtures and then really good fixtures. So that's obviously um, players that have sort of an average performance of, say, worth, being worth eight million during that that run of six fixtures where they've all got green. They can be worth the same as a ten million striker or ten million midfielder. So I think there is value because of that in Bournemouth. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, you can drop on and off them, can't you? you just dump them for the bad games. Yeah, um, yeah. Then maybe they won't. Maybe they'll turn out to be good value from that yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Um, ben, do you have anyone who you think is going to underperform? Underperform? You mean like are too expensive? Um, yeah. I think I'm. I'm not super interested in Watford this season. I think they're they're fairly decently priced. Um, I just don't think they've reinforced too much. Um, so haven't been looking at a ton of Watford players, but who knows? I think they'll just be stead- a steady team um, and will definitely have enough to survive. They have really bad opening fixtures. Um, but yeah, not super interested in any of their players. Um, Delefeo also got, I think, classified correctly to a forward this time. So um, yeah, I think Watford are my kind of not overvalued, but just like not super interesting to me right now, team. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, for me, I'm I'm also looking at um, sort of for for value the the fourth to sixth section of of where we think the league's going to end up, um, and I find it very interesting because if you look at both Chelsea and Man U, like Chelsea's most expensive player is seven and a half million. Man U's most expensive player is eight and a half million, and then Arsenal's most expensive player is eleven and a half, well, eleven million rather with Aubameyang, and then nine and a half with Lacazette. So I feel like there's a bit of a discrepancy in the way the pricing has come up here, where Man U and Chelsea's players, because we're not quite sure who's going to be first team, end up much lower priced. But then once you know what the first team looks like, it's going to show real value in both of those squads. 
Like right now, Chelsea have, uh, I just counted as 13 midfielders in the game for Chelsea, which is a crazy number of midfielders. Um, but then once it becomes clear who the first teamers are, they're, I think, going to show a lot of value. Um, whether Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic plays on the wings, one of those two is going to show his real value. Out of Lukaku and Rashford, they're both eight and a half million. It looks like Rashford's going to be first team, so I think he'll show real value because of that. Um, so that's where I think the sort of uh, the undervalued players are. Um, but I think that's not really because the teams are going to overperform. It's just because we don't know who's going to play and those that do play are going to overperform, if that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds... Um, I agree with that entirely, actually. Um, yeah, I think Chelsea are the ones where I've not looked at their players so far that much simply because I don't know what their team is. So I'm not thinking about them in pre-season, but I'm sure come the first world card when I realised I've mucked up my team in game week three, I'll be putting a few Chelsea players in. Yeah, and uh, I think as Man U fans, that's going to be fun too because finally we'll know who they're... I think someone like Daniel James at six million, if he sort of uh, makes his mark in the first few weeks, we've got a run of quite hard games at the start and then there's a run of easy games. And if someone like James, who is only 6 million, like does really well in the, in the, in the difficult games at the start and makes it into the team by that second stage, he could be real, real, real value, I think. Yeah. And um, if Mason Greenwood nails down a place, then uh, he'll be <laughs> yeah. the ultimate value player. <laughs> I don't think he will, though, at 17 years of age. I think it's pretty unlikely that we're going to have a 17-year-old striker leading the life. <laughs> 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 the majority of the <laughs> but that would be amazing. Well, we can only, we can only dream. Yeah. We can only yeah, dream. We can. Um, in terms of overvalue, I agree that I think Wolves, if you look at the size of their squad, it's tiny. I think they're going to really struggle to maintain the standards they, they set out last season with the with the Europa League and a squad that small. So I think uh, well, when, when you said Wolves, I was sort of nodding along sagely, thinking, yes, that's that's good advice, Matt. I think uh, that's probably the team I'd pick out as being overvalued this season. Well, last season, they were kind of undervalued because Jimenez was really cheap at the start of the season. They're kind of coming in at the value that they showed last season now, which I don't think they're going to replicate. So I agree with you. Yeah. I think I think Jimenez at seven and a half is, is quite tempting. Um given how many points he got last season. But um, even if he does slightly worse than last season, he'll still be quite a good price point. But um, I'm certainly staying clear in the early few games uh, to see if they can settle down. Yeah, I think so. Good. All right, well, the last section of our uh, our sort of general season preview before we get onto our bus teams, um, I'm going to ask you guys to name um, a sort of breakthrough player. This could be either a young player or a new signing, depending on which you sort of have a stronger feeling about who you think is going to um, kind of break through and become a, a sort of main fantasy asset this season. Um, as uh, as usual, Matt, since you were the, you've been going first so far, I'm going to call on you first. Um, so I'm going to go for... I think there's going to be a breakthrough player, one or two, at Chelsea. Um, I'm not certain who they're going to be, but I reckon Kurt Zuma might be... This might be his season where he sort of nailed down a starting place. Because I think Everton was so desperate to keep him and they had a really good run of clean sheets. Um, I think a lot of the fans were saying that the main reason for that was Kurt Zuma's form. Um, I think he might be a, sort of the, their new mainstay defender this season at five million. That could be a really good price um, to get, get someone like him in. And I, I agree that Chelsea, we don't know who their lineup's going to be, but they've still got a fairly good deep squad um, and so they'll they'll perform well and they've, they've always traditionally been very good for the clean sheet too so I reckon he's a potential 
bargain uh, for the young player coming through. That's a good shout. There's a there's a lot of kind because of, Chelsea's squad is so huge. Um, you don't know it could it could still be Rudiger and Louise by the end of the season, right? But if uh, if one of those is going to drop out, I think Zuma is very well placed to come in. He's he's been sort of touted. He's got a lot of experience now, actually, at various different clubs in the Premier League as well. Yeah. So he's well placed now to to show his true form at Chelsea, isn't he? Yeah, I look forward to him to be, him being my Chenk Tosin pick of the season, um, where he just sort of. I predict such high things and he just doesn't play until December. Uh, but, but let's see. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, uh, I, I, less, less said about Jane Tosin, the better, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ben, how about you? Um, so in terms of um, new signing, I think um, Ayosi Perez moving from Newcastle to Leicester, um, he could, I think, be... Um, a really good shout. He, I think, was one of the Newcastle's best players, like class player. I think Brendan Rogers from preseason is kind of pairing him with just off Vardy, so like in a kind of number ten role. Um, so if you know FPL manager's favorite uh, thing is out of position players. So if we if Yosi Perez is actually playing up front as a midfielder, I think um, he's definitely someone I'm interested in. In terms of young players, I think we talked about it already but I think Chelsea is a good one and maybe Tammy Abraham I know he's been playing a lot in preseason if he can lock down a a starting position I think he's a good shout 7.0 and then you know I I think Greenwood he could you know get involved in first team action be involved as a sub maybe and even at 4.5 as a sub I think um he could be really um, interesting. So, um, but that that might just be me as a Man U fan. But um, yeah, I'm, I hope Greenwood does manage to kind of break through this season. Yeah, I think at four point five million, he's uh, if he does by the end of the season, that's going to look like good value. I think, but I don't see him becoming like a main asset yet. I think it's going to be a few seasons before he's properly first team, and you know, his breakthrough season, I think, will be. A season in the future rather than this season because um, he's just so young right now yeah um, yeah interesting choices there um, my my breakthrough player I think um, by the end of the season we might see Zinchenko at Man City be the first choice left back which would be phenomenal value for such an attacking side um, the reason I say that is Mendy is just permacrocked I don't think he's um, got the got the legs to be the first choice left back for a team like that, um, and they're going to need somebody who attacks, especially if uh, if Sane does leave. There's a lot of interest in him from from Bayern Munich right now, and he's not necessarily the most loved player by by Guardiola. I think we might see him being the only like attacking left back, left footed left back option. Um, at City, so to add balance to their side, I think he might be their their only option by the end of the season. I think he's sort of been there or thereabouts for a while and always done pretty well when he's played. So I think he's one of one of Guardiola's projects that's going to come good this season. That's my pick. Yeah, I'm su- I'm Put surprised no one went um, for um, Alexis Sanchez as a breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his his value has dropped. He was eleven million at the start of last season. I think he's seven and a half now. Yeah, seven and a half. Seven million. Seven million this season. He's Crazy. dropped four million 
from one season to the next. Mm. That must be some kind of record. Yeah, it must be. Incredibly, I, I think 3.6% uh, of the game is obviously from Chile because I can't believe people <laughs> are picking him um, still. Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? Um, the good the good news is I don't see him playing on the wing this season. I think if he plays at all, he might play centre-forward. And then if, the, if he gets a run of games at centre-forward and starts scoring, then... You know, that's that they that's his only hope for those those three point six percent of players. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, thanks for that, guys. I think we're now on to ev- on to what I suspect is the bit you guys have all been waiting for the uh, the bus team section. So we're going to go through and uh, and and run through first of all the, uh, the the players that are in our team and then pick out any that we're particularly keen on. Um, so Matt, you first again. Let's have a look at your bus team. Um, so current team, um, and I, so the warning being that it will probably be completely different by the time of the season starts. Um, but I, I've gone through a couple of drafts. So some of these players have survived a couple of drafts now. Um, I've got Ryan and Button as my Brighton duo goalkeepers, uh, simply because it's the cheapest way to, to fix up a goalkeeping spot that's going to start each game. Um, I've then gone uh, Coleman... Alexander-Arnold and Van Dijk as a back three. Um, trying to go quite premium there, especially with Liverpool's opening fixtures uh, being quite quite juicy. Um, and then I've gone Salah, Fraser, Sterling, Sigurdsson and Norwood from Sheffield United uh, in my midfield five. Um, so I'm spending a lot of my money there, obviously, on Sterling and Salah, um, which I think a lot of managers seem to be trying to do to try and squeeze both in. Um, and then the sacrifices I've then made is all up front. So my my two strikers that start up front is King and Delafoe at the moment. Um, and I put Moussa, uh, also from Sheffield United, their, their new record signing and now a £5 million striker that might start um, on my bench. Uh, and then I've, I've padded out the rest of the bench with Aarons and Diop as cheap defenders, but in the £4.5 million bracket, but at least start... I couldn't. I couldn't go for a four million one that just didn't start in the end. I, I thought that was a bit, a bit too far. But if I want to really stretch for another player, then maybe I'll, I'll downgrade one of those and just have a third placed uh, bench fodder that doesn't even play. Um, we shall see. Um, and so yeah, as you can see, I've, I've Sheffield United players. So they're sort of my enablers in the team at the moment. Um, and then I. I've also banked on the Bournemouth uh, opening fixtures and gone for both Fraser and King. So uh, they're the ones I'm, I'm sort of the, probably the, the firmest in my team. Um, if, if anything, I might try and upgrade King to Wilson if I get a chance. But uh, that's Matt, is that a three five two? It's quite hard to find at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. I think uh, you've obviously gone to great lengths to get Salah into your team there, which I think is a solid pick, given that he's the only player from uh, from Liverpool's front line that went out early in his summer tournament. Um, I'd sort of, I, I don't know whether you're, you're thinking the same way about Liverpool, but my, my gut with them is that at the start of the season, because their their best attacking players might be a little bit um, jaded after the summer, we might see a lot of rotation in the front line of, of Mane and Firmino which means Salah's going to have a lot of the burden put on him to score the goals. And we might see a lot of 1-0 wins ground out by that side with Salah scoring the only goal. Or maybe, unless Origi is on fire like, like at the end of last season. Um, so, 
yeah, I think having having a couple of defensive Liverpool players is a pretty solid strategy. Is that how you're thinking too, Matt? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the if you look at the points that the Liverpool guys got last season um, for defenders, like they're just crazy high. So even though they got like massively premium price points, I, I just think uh, they'll they'll continue doing pretty well this season, and that will give them value. And I think their opening run of games leads me to believe they might get a fair few clean sheets that they can grind out. Um, and as you say, especially if they're not firing up front, if they go final up, sometimes that's the worst thing because they've just like sub off players and care slightly less and quite easily concede like a late consolation which the fans don't really care about because they've still won the game but us fantasy managers are devastated about if we've got a defender in um so my my double up liverpool i'm really hoping they don't go to an early 4-0 lead against uh norwich in their opening game because it's sure that pookie would come in then and uh with a consolation means goal, means nothing but 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 to <laughs> me and my heartbreak yeah <laughs> That's it. means nothing to most people, but everything to a data geek like myself. Okay. Um, Any comments on on Matt's team, Ben? No, I like it. Um, I also really like the Sigurdsson pick because of Everton's opening fixtures. I was was desperately trying to get Sigurdsson in my team, um, and I may end up having him in my team, but um, he's currently not my bus team. But yeah. Okay, good. Well, um, why don't you run us through your team then? I'm assuming it also has Sigurdsson in it. No, I, it, but original drafted, but um, so I'm also playing a 3-5-2 because um, I think there's more value in midfield. And uh, I made this team yesterday, so it probably will change. Um, my goalkeepers are uh, Nick Pope from Burnley, who I, f- I think I figured out is their first choice from preseason. I think he's, he's overtaken uh, Tom Heaton and Joe Hart. Um, but basically, whoever the Burnley goalkeeper is, and then I'm waiting for Dean Henderson to be put in the game. I assume he'll be at 4.5, and um, I generally run with uh, two 4.5 goalkeepers. Um, I don't know why. I think I've just been... I, that's just how I play the game, and I've just been doing it um, forever. Um, in the back, I have uh, Alexander-Arnold. I have Luca Dean um, because of... Everton's opening fixtures are ridiculously good all the way up to, I think, like game week 13. They, they look green. And then I, I think backing up some of my um, Sheffield United talk, I have uh, Stevens at 5.0 as kind of like, um, I think he's their primary defensive goal threat. So uh, that's my back three. Um, in midfield, I have Salah, Sterling, and De Bruyne. So I'm going with, with the double Man City um, midfield. Um, and then I have David Brooks from Bournemouth, um, mainly because of their opening fixtures. And then I have Ayozi I- Perez um, because I think he'll play out position up front. Um, and then Leicester's opening fixtures aren't super great, but... Um, I normally wildcard around game week four, so um, their first four fixtures look fine. So I'm interested to see Perez just play up front. Um, and then, like Matt, I've sacrificed up front. I have Josh King um, at six point five. I think he he's probably the the cheapest way into the Bournemouth attack. And then I have Diego Jota at six point five, who I probably will change because their fixtures are really bad. But I just kind of put him in there for now. 
Uh, my bench is just a bunch of crap right now. <laughs> so uh, I have uh, <laughs> Mac Target from Villa at 4.5. For my research, was their most attacking defensive player. I have Lundstrom at 4.0 from Sheffield United, who is probably the best shout at a 4.0 starting, but probably won't start. And then I have Mason Greenwood at 4.5. So yeah, bench is really bad. Um, so I'll probably have to tinker a bit, but that's kind of my first bus team. It's... Um... A lot of uh, similarities with my current bus team as well in there, actually. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very different from Matt's team, though, is what I think, is you sort of uh, not... You've got the sort of midfield strength in common, but I think you've gone for quite different teams. Yeah, and I think um, what, what is the big kind of decision point in this team is kind of like, do you want to run with a Sterling, De Bruyne, Salah team? Because, I mean, that, you kind of have to build your team around that and um, this team would do really well if Man City just start wrecking people when they start the season and just score like a ton of goals. And I mean, their fixtures are pretty good, I think, if you look at them. Um, and then I think De Bruyne has been doing really well in preseason as well. So a 9.5, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is normally a 10.5, 11 million type player if he's fit. Um, so it's kind of banking on that. He he will he will get the season um, started like firing on all cylinders so yeah yeah I, I, I got um, burned by him last season which is why he's not in my team he, uh, he looked like he was going to come back and I thought great I'm going to get ahead of everybody else and put him in my team and his first game back he got another knee injury <laughs> so I've uh, I, I, he's one of my <laughs> trolls now I'm not, not picking him until he shows his, shows his worth um, so on to my team my team is, uh, is looking I, I sort of I've been through three iterations now of my team. This third one is based almost entirely on the fixture generator. So my uh, my principle was that I, would, I looked at who has the the best first six fixtures, and the teams that I came out with were annoyingly Man City and Liverpool, um, Everton and Aston Villa. So having picked those as my sort of core principle, most of my team is based. I'm Bournemouth, so I'm Bournemouth. So uh, most of my team is based around having those those teams players in my team. Um, so in goal, I've got Alisson at the moment. Um, I've gone the opposite of Ben. I'm going set and forget. I think he's pretty solid for the whole season. And they've got Norwich as the opening game. Um, my back line is Luca Dean, um, Ake and Gomez. So three at the back. I'm going to play, play three, four, three. Uh, Joe Gomez is an interesting one. He's, he was first team before he got injured last year. Um, i I'm still on the fence about whether I really think he's going to be first team at the start of this season, given that he's returning from injury. But at the moment, this team is based on the idea that he will start. Um, my four across midfield are um, Grealish, Sterling, Sigurdsson and Brooks. So sticking to those teams. Um, Sigurdsson, I think, will have a really productive start to the season uh, based on their fixture list and based on him being their sort of most uh, productive attacking player last season. I think that Armstrong at Southampton, uh, he's sort of the wild card in there. Uh, sorry, I've got him on the bench, beg your pardon. I've all, my, my bench midfielder is Armstrong from Southampton, who um, had a, a few games where he looked strong last season. And I think that Hassan Hoodle's attacking hassle formation might, uh, might be quite productive compared to expectations this season, although their, their fixtures aren't a great start. 
Um, my front three right now is this is where I, I differ very much from you guys. Is uh, I picked Aguero. Uh, he was one of the first players I wanted in the team because uh, he often starts the season on fire. Uh, if you look back at the last few seasons, he's had a really, really strong start to each of them. Um, and he has a, a nice set of fixtures. Uh, I've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who obviously um, Everton only have one striker, so he will definitely play and be supported by uh, by a, a decent team behind him. Um, and then I, I just, <laughs> doesn't matter what I do, I just can't pick a team without Rashford in it. Um, mm. At eight and a half, I think the, <laughs> yeah. the, the the first choice striker for a team that we think is going to be top six at eight and a half million is really good. Um, he's one of these streaky players who tends to go through like runs where he scores a few goals. He scored a few in preseason, which I think is is promising. Um, and Lukaku might not even be in, uh, at Man U by the start of the season, so he'll definitely have the sort of pressure of being the 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 first choice striker by then. So yeah, I think um, and every time I think about it, I just can't. I like him so much that my brain just automatically wants him to be in the team. So yeah, I've got Rashford in my, in my front line as well. Um, uh, my bench, therefore, Armstrong. I've already mentioned. Um, Prudel from Watford is like my uh, my first bargain bin defender because Watford are a decent side and he seems to be the cheapest first team player in their defence. Uh, Target, I agree with you, Ben. I think is uh, he's the most attacking defender for Aston Villa. Um, and my my reserve goalkeeper will be Henderson, but he doesn't exist yet, so it could it's, it could be anyone. It's Tom Heaton right now. Does you? Wait, did your team have a Liverpool midfielder? It didn't. No, which is a big pick. I um I've gone for yeah. Sterling over Salah. I uh one of my guiding principles is that I don't think that um Mane will play as many minutes at the beginning of the season. So for eleven and a half million, I don't think he's worth it. Um I was originally trying to do um De Bruyne and Salah and not have Sterling because I have Aguero. But um, I needed the 0.5 million, so um, I downgraded. Well, it's more than 0.5. I needed, I needed the money, so I downgraded from um, De Bruyne to Sigurdsson and upgraded from Salah to Sterling. Mm. All right. So, who's your Liverpool players then? Um, at the moment, it's Gomez and Allison. Um, again, guiding principle, I think that um, Liverpool will start the start the season with a lot of sort of one nil like scraped wins where. Um, their defense is like resolute and as as good as it always is, but their uh, their their strikers are tired and not necessarily firing. So um, I I definitely wanted two defensive players, and I picked out Gomez. Cause that might change, but at the moment it's Gomez and Allison. Yeah, big shout. <laughs> Very different team structure from us, actually. You've gone for the the big strike force, um, which I've. I, none of my drafts. I tried to get Kane in briefly at the start, and decided that it was just too difficult. And because he basically, it would mean sacrificing either Salah or Sterling in my team. And I didn't think, well, as much as I think he'll score goals and be really good, I just don't think he'll outscore those two. And so I just thought I'd, I'd stick with those two. Yeah. Um, but you've, I, I you've, got, I would, I, you've yeah. got Aguero, um, which again, like, I, I agree with you. Like he started previous seasons really strongly. I've always thought this this will be the year that he gets like rotated massively um and it never seems to be that year yet so uh that could be a potential real good differential pick for the start of the season um especially given that jesus went deep into the uh, so he won't i think like argentina went out before um brazil did so although obviously 
Jesus showed great form. Um, you might see him. I, I'd expect to see Aguero start the season as the first choice pick. So, and obviously he's got a he's got he's got form. Actually, specifically, he's got form for not being picked by me and then being amazing at the start of the season. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's where he's currently. I mean, this, again, is early. This all could change. But that's uh, right now putting Aguero in was like he was first name on the team sheet. Yeah, I, I also looked at getting Kane in. And then what I really wanted before I even loaded this game was like, oh, I really want Min Son in my team. And then, <laughs> and then I realized he was suspended for like the first three games. And I couldn't remember why. Um, but um, I think I, I'll... I, a lot of Spurs assets are missing from our team, mainly because of, I think, fixtures. But it'll be interesting to see once those turn, um, who we put in. Yeah, I, I one of my uh, iterations had three Spurs defenders in it. Um, because I feel like they're generally a decent side defensively. Um, Allison and um, Edison are both more expensive than Lloris. And I feel like um, players like Aurier, if like without without Trippier and they, the previous season they sold Walker, they've really only got Walker Peters and Aurier now that could or, or Foyt that could be right back. And I feel like Aurier is the most senior of those players, so you'd expect him to start the season as the first choice right back. Um, and then Vertonghen was the other one in that in that iteration of the team. And then I completely scrapped it and lost all of my Tottenham players. But mm. I feel like there's value yeah. in their defence because, again, when, when, when it's not clear who the first team's going to be, you then get value from who actually turns out to be first team. So I feel like there's, there's value in that defence. Yeah, I was also looking at Lucas Moura at 7.5. He, he also could be value, I think, um, if, he break, if he becomes more um, regular this season. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested maybe post-game week four after they play Arsenal, they have a nice run. So, um, yeah, I hope. I think my I I, I chose De Bruyne at nine point five because it's an easy switch to Son if things um, don't go well because of the same price. I think I just prefer Son to Kane, like just value wise. I think as well. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Son is definitely in my plans as well. He's not in my team because he's suspended, not because I don't yeah. want him. <laughs> yeah. I also want Rashford too. That's a good shout. But um, I guess we'll. I just want to see how Man you do at the beginning to see that we're not complete rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like Man U could be absolute rubbish, or they could defy expectations and be a proper Man U team, and you just don't know what's going to happen next season. Yeah, I think it depends for me a lot on like if they manage to sign some more good players <laughs> by the end of the season. Which hopefully they will. Yeah, I feel like Chelsea and Man U are in a very similar boat there. And then Arsenal, you just know we're going to score loads of goals and concede loads of goals. Yeah, I'm holding off my Arsenal ones until a few games, game weeks in. So it's one of those where I'm, I, I definitely think I'll be having some Arsenal players in my across the season uh, because Aubameyang was top scorer as a striker last season. Lacazette's not bad value if he continues to play. We don't know about this Pepe guy yet, but he could. He could come in and really fit into the system and be quite a nice price point. So, yeah. The only annoying thing is Emery's going to keep rotating. I assume, right? That's the type of manager he is. Yeah, he's unpredictable, isn't he? With his 
with his team selection, especially with Lacazette and Aubameyang. Like the number of times, Aubameyang was the ultimate troll for me last season. I actually started with him in my team, um, and and like I specifically remember Duncan being like, "God, I wish I had Aubameyang. I'm so glad, I'm so jealous of you for having him." <laughs> and then he just did nothing for the first like five game weeks. I transferred him out. He suddenly starts scoring. I put him back in again, and he stops playing because for some reason Emery decided he doesn't need his top scorer anymore. So I transfer him out. He comes back and he ends up top scorer. It's the most annoying player ever. Yeah. I mean, that's what I had him for a better run in this, later on in the season um, in my team. And he, he was, he, I always felt uncertain about him and always like what, a bit edgy on him because you knew he was about to be dropped or he was, he, he was coming off the bench. But he would somehow seem to rack up the points. Like even off the bench, he's a bit of a threat. So I think the rotation things like uh, is one that maybe puts managers off because you think he's not going to get the full two points. But it, a, a striker that's really quick coming on for the last 20 minutes has a really good chance of scoring a goal. So they might still get the points. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I think he he's also, he's not just quick. He's actually like, you don't see, obviously Arsenal aren't the kind of team that's going to pump balls up in the air to him. So you don't see him head the ball very much, but he's pretty tall. Um, so he's a complete nightmare for a, a, a tired centre-back, isn't he? Being big, strong and super quick. Yeah. So he, He's the one that no one's talking about yet. I think partly the fixtures are against him. And as you say, I think people are going to Guerrero and Kane instead at the moment uh, because of the rotation risk. Um, but he, he he might be that sleeper player that just sort of, uh, you have him in your team. It's a bit of a differential, but he'll he'll keep scoring the points. Yeah, possibly. The reason I haven't got him though is that ultimately at 11 million, when... Um sort of range of team that you're looking at there is the the fourth to sixth range rashford is eight and a half million all three of the um all, all of the options like the most expensive other option is rashford and he's eight and a half you've got seven million options at um at chelsea it just seems a lot of money to spend on a, a fourth to sixth player yeah i'm annoyed that we agree on everton players and sakurtson right i was both cheer and siggy doesn't didn't have quite the same rivalry as last year. Uh, have you given up on Tosin then, Matt? Uh, I'm not picking <laughs> Calvert Leon because because uh, you never know about that Tosin late run that it might might work in pre season. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> well, Siggy, I had very early on last season. I remember I had my bet on Siggy last season, so I'm still I'm still yeah. claiming him as my own. How's How's Umar Nyas getting on uh, these days? Not even in the game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, that 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 one didn't work out. Um, good. Well, look, I think it's uh, it's time to call it a wrap. So um, thank you very much for your insight, Matt. Cheers, and thank you very much for your insight, Ben. Welcome. For our listeners, we will be back for a second preseason pod next week with some different uh, contributors. So we hope you'll join us then. Have a great week. Oh, 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 oh,